Welcome to another episode of the Jam Pack Report, today for February the 2nd of 2021. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news you need to know from around the industry. Hosted on YouTube and podcast services around the world five days a week, it's your one-stop shop for everything you need to know. So, if you enjoy the show and you like what you see, hit that subscribe button and keep coming back for more. But yesterday, we got some very jarring news about the future of Google Stadia, and Google is shutting down its internal Stadia studios, and it's going to be focusing on third parties going forward. This news comes from the keyword Google's blog, and the title, Focusing on Stadia's Future as a Platform and Winding Down SGNE. Of course, that stands for Stadia Games and Entertainment. Now, this blog comes from Phil Harrison, Vice President and GM of Google Stadia, and he writes, quote, We launched Stadia with the goal of making your favorite games instantly available wherever you want to play them. With the recent successful launch of Cyberpunk 2077 on Stadia, gameplay on all types of devices, including iOS, growing our slate of YouTube integrations, and our global expansions, it's clear that Stadia's technology has been proven and works at scale. Having games streamed to any screen is the future of this industry, and we'll continue to invest in Stadia and its underlying platform to provide the best cloud gaming experience for our partners and the gaming community. This has been the vision of Stadia since the beginning. In 2021, we are expanding our efforts to help game developers and publishers take advantage of our platform technology and deliver games directly to their players. We see an important opportunity to work with partners seeking a gaming solution, all built on Stadia's advanced technical infrastructure and platform tools. We believe this is the best path to building Stadia into a long-term, sustainable business that helps grow the industry. Creating best-in-class games from the ground up takes many years and significant investment, and the cost is going up exponentially. Given our focus on building the proven technology of Stadia, as well as deepening our business partnerships, we've decided that we will not be investing further in bringing exclusive content from our internal development team, SG&E, beyond any near-term planned games. With the increased focus on using our technology platform for industry partners, Jade Raymond has decided to leave Google to pursue other opportunities. We greatly appreciate Jade's contribution to Stadia and wish her the best of luck in her future endeavors. Over the coming months, most of the SG&E team will be moving on to new roles. We are committed to working with this talented team to find new roles and support them. What does this mean if you are a current or future Stadia gamer? You can continue playing all your games on Stadia and Stadia Pro, and will continue to bring new titles from third parties to the platform. We are committed to the future of cloud gaming, and will continue to do our part to drive this industry forward. Our goal remains focused on creating the best possible platform for gamers and technology for our partners, bringing these experiences to life for people everywhere." End quote. So in short, what does this mean? Google is shutting down both of their internal studios, developing exclusive experiences for Stadia, and it impacts roughly 150 developers across the company, most of which were brought on in the last 18 months to help create unique experiences on Google's cloud streaming platform. Now, a lot of people begin to bring up a very good point. What happens to the partnerships that have been announced? The first one that comes to mind for many of us is the Supergiant game that is hypothetically in the works. Google had brought on Supergiant games to make some kind of exclusive. That is completely and totally up in the air. We have no idea what's going on with that kind of deal. So, how does this all shake out? What does this look like when we turn to the future of Google Stadia? And while it 
is very disappointing to hear that they are winding down that specific branch of Stadia's development. I don't think this is going to necessarily mark the end of Stadia because Google has a very good cloud infrastructure, an industry-leading cloud infrastructure that is not only powering gaming devices through Stadia, but on top of that, it's powering people to work from home around the world currently. Uh, and so with that amount of power, Stadia has a lot of potential, even if it's not bringing exclusives to the table. Now, quite frankly, I could not even tell you what one of the upcoming exclusives was for Google Stadia. Nothing was coming that really blew my mind. I think that the one that came to mind for me around launch was Orcs Must Die 3. I think that was a game that came out. Uh, and even that ended up coming to other platforms eventually, if I remember correctly. But there's not been a really big Stadia exclusive, and so why would they continue funneling money into this when it's not working out? I think back to yesterday's episode of the show when we talked about Amazon's $500 million annual investment investment in their gaming division that doesn't include Twitch or Amazon Luna. That's a lot of money for not a lot of games coming out. In fact, none. You can check out that episode if you would like. But Google is pivoting and instead allowing this technology to power third parties. Maybe they'll find a partnership with a bigger company and maybe uh, Nintendo could bring that on. That's what one of my friends at work suggested. Uh, and Nintendo and Google could partner up and really benefit Nintendo's cloud infrastructure to actually make games uh, playable through the cloud that aren't necessarily relying on Nintendo's ancient technology. There was a story that came out that they're just now updating their online infrastructure that's roughly 10 to 20 years old, depending on how you look at it. So all of that being taken into consideration, uh, the gaming industry overreacted in my opinion. There's a lot of journalists that say this is the end of Stadia, uh, and to some degree it is, but it's pivoting. It's Google changing its direction, not necessarily ending anything uh, that they're working on currently, except for the internal stuff at the studio, and I think this is going to make it a long-term sustainable solution. Uh, but the big question is, can they turn it around and make it one that is profitable? Can they turn it around and make one uh, that becomes a foundational part of the gaming industry going forward? Because Phil Harrison is not wrong. Cloud gaming is a very big part of the future of this industry. You see Microsoft getting in on it, you see Sony getting in on it, you even see Nintendo getting in on it with these smaller little side projects like Resident Evil 7 and The Division 2 being playable over the cloud on the Nintendo Switch. And so with all these companies getting in on it, uh, you know Google knows that they have something here because their infrastructure is very solid. As we all know, we saw the reports Cyberpunk 2077 uh, ran pretty much the best for someone that doesn't have a high-end PC. That version of the game was better than consoles by and large. Uh, and so whenever you have that kind of winning ecosystem, you should continue to invest in it. Uh, but the future is still called into question. I don't want it to seem like I am uh, ignoring the blatantly obvious here. There is a huge potential for Stadia to continue to wind down. I tweeted yesterday after this news uh, came out that Google has a problem of having technology and then refusing to give it the amount of time that it needs to flourish because they make all these big acquisitions, they bring on all these experienced industry veterans, and then 18 months later they begin to pivot and change. The average big, huge game takes three to four years to complete, so there hasn't even been a true opportunity provided. It's just that they brought on all these people and they began hemorrhaging money whenever there was no big game on the market that was bringing new people into Stadia, 
and so they essentially cut ties to minimize loss. That's the way that I see this and process it. And that's not a healthy way to go about building something new. That's just having a drive, having an innovative idea, and then pivoting whenever you realize that you can't make money back on it instantaneously. And again, this is just the perspective of someone who has a gaming podcast and spends a lot of the day on Twitter, so take it for what you will. Uh, But ultimately, what you need to know is that Google is shutting down its internal development for Stadia and focusing entirely on third parties going forward. But I'll tell you what is winding up this Microsoft-Bethesda deal because the EU has until March 5th to decide on the business's acquisition. The EU has until March 5th to approve Microsoft's acquisition of ZeniMax Media, parent company of Bethesda. The industry-shaking $7.5 billion acquisition news came late last summer in September, and once approved, Xbox Game Studios will expand from 15 teams to 23, with heavy hitters like Arcane, Machine Games, id Software, and Bethesda Game Studios itself, among others. This is a very massive deal, and now we have a date on when to expect the finalization to come. Of course, there can be a lot of deliberations back and forth about uh, the monopolization of the gaming industry. Does this create a monopoly? Ultimately, I don't think it's going to be an issue, personally, because this is just a company being competitive, and considering how many exclusive studios Sony has under their belt, Microsoft has every right in the world to try and beef up their catalog and better compete in the space. So look forward to that by March 5th at the latest, but it very well could uh, come sooner than that. Uh, So I will keep you up to date when this deal is finalized. I'm sure that will be uh, the biggest story of the day by far. But another huge industry-shaking story uh, is that the Nintendo Switch has overtaken the 3DS's lifetime sales in just four years. And I'll tell you what. They're doing really well over there because they had their best quarter since 2008. Nintendo sold 11.57 million Switch consoles last quarter, bringing its total lifetime sales to 79.87 million units. Now, if the Switch sells 2.5 million more consoles this spring, which is generally a relatively normal period of time for them, it will break the Game Boy Advance's lifetime sales of 81.51 million units. It blew my mind to read these stories uh, because there are plenty of new metrics, plenty of new information, uh, and you can find the entire rundown on Nintendo's Japanese website. Uh, But the Nintendo Switch continues to dominate. I mean, it's past the PlayStation 4's lifetime sales. You can see here from Daniel Amad on Twitter, there is the actual graph itself that shows you how everything shakes out. Let me see if I can open this in a new tab. Uh, This looks horrible. Hold on. My screen is cropped. It's horrible. You can can probably see that. Um, But he writes, the Nintendo Switch is sold in 79.87 million units after 46 months on the market, and here is how it compared to other consoles when launch aligned. In the same time frame, the PS4 was around 67 million units, and the PS2 was around 69.5 million. The Wii was just under 75 million. So while it's not quite on that same track as the Wii, it very well could be depending on these sales spikes. As you can see here, the projections speak for themselves. It's doing very, very, very well. Uh, And so, while it might not be the first console on my mind, the Nintendo Switch for for kids, for casual gamers, for adults that might not want to invest in an Xbox Series X, a PS5, or a gaming PC, it's the go-to option. It really is the way to go. And... It really is exciting to see Nintendo continuing to dominate in a time frame whenever you aren't sure what to expect. But... 
we all could have known what to expect because of the pandemic. It absolutely drove sales through the roof. And not only sales of consoles, sales of games as well. Because the lifetime top-selling games on Nintendo Switch are continuing to pump out millions and millions of sales and units, uh, with number one being Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at 33.41 million lifetime sales, followed by Animal Crossing New Horizons at 31.18 million. And I want to stop there for a moment. Animal Crossing New Horizons has been out for less than one year, and it has sold 31.18 million units. That is only 2 million roughly less than Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, the Nintendo Switch game for many people. That is a monster. Uh, number three is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate at 22.85 million units, followed by The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild at 21.45, and Pokemon Sword and Shield at 20.36 million. And of course, the list does go on. But ultimately, the Nintendo Switch is continuing to really bring a lot of gamers into the market, really generate a lot of sales, and Nintendo is having a very, very good uh, year, a good quarter, and they had a very good quarter in the end of 2020 for sure. But, continuing on to our next story of the day, to follow up on yesterday's show, MLB The Show 21 is coming to Xbox and PlayStation consoles on April the 20th. Now, I did say April 20th, or uh, 21st on yesterday's episode. That was a mistake. I did the math incorrectly. Uh, it is coming out on April the 20th. Leaked images on Instagram and Reddit were accurate. MLB The Show 21 is coming to Xbox Series X, Series S, and Xbox One, alongside its release on PS5 and PS4 on April the 20th. This year's cover athlete is Padre shortstop Fernando El Nino Tatis Jr., and it's not only releasing on both Xbox and PlayStation ecosystems, cross-play is enabled. The Collector's Edition reveal is coming on February the 3rd with a Jackie Robinson Deluxe Edition that was also leaked on Reddit, which gives four days of early access alongside other perks on top of benefiting the JRF Scholars program. So you can see the full blog over here on uh, the PlayStation blog if you do want to dive in. MLB The Show 21 launches on April 20th, 2021. The standard edition on next or excuse me, on current generation consoles is $59.99 and on next gen consoles is $69.99. Uh, it is very strange to see the words Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S on the PlayStation blog, uh, but it is a welcome change. I really love this whole uh, tearing down the walls, letting people play where they will kind of situation that we have here. Uh, of course, a lot of people are excited about the Jackie Robinson edition that is coming out, uh, but I think a lot more people are going to be diving in this year because of that cross-platform play. Uh, and I was very shocked to see the cross-platform play itself, not the availability, but the cross-play. That's really neat because I'm thinking about baseball fans. You know, let's say Todd's got a Xbox Series X and Tim has a PlayStation 5. They can play together. It's irrelevant where they play. They're just playing the show. And that is the value of an exclusive. That's the value of an IP. Because instead of worrying about where they're playing, they're worrying about what they're playing. What are you going to play tonight? Where are you going to play it? Who cares? What are you going to play? I love that idea. And so that's coming in hot and heavy with MLB The Show 21. Of course, the uh, cover athlete, as I said, is Fernando Tatis Jr. I believe I said that correctly. Not a big baseball guy myself. Haven't watched a game in years. But if you do want to pick up a game, then by all means, you can actu uh, actually, absolutely, whatever you want to say, dive in on April the 20th. 
But I'll tell you what a lot of people are going to be diving into today. The enhanced performance experience on God of War. Because God of War is getting a next-gen update today. The PlayStation 5 launch has been an exciting time for everyone here at Santa Monica Studio, they write. We've been especially happy to see all the players who have taken advantage of the backward compatibility to try out God of War 2018 on the new hardware, as well as those who have picked up the game for the first time through the PlayStation Plus collection. Since then, our team has been working on a video graphics mode option that will enable players to get the most of the increased performance capabilities of the PlayStation 5. On the PlayStation 4 Pro version of God of War 2018, you have a choice between two graphics modes, one that favors performance and one that favors resolution. Coming to you tomorrow on February 2nd, today I should say, we will be releasing a free patch that replaces the current video graphics mode option with a new default setting that will offer the best of both performance and resolution to our PlayStation 5 players. Enhanced performance experience includes syncing to 60fps, a 4K checkerboard resolution, and 2160p. You can go back to the original PlayStation 4 Favor Resolution Video Graphics mode at any time by selecting Original Performance Experience, which will offer 4K checkerboard resolution synced to 30fps. For the latest news from Sony Santa Monica Studio, you can follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, this is a very big deal because God of War is one of those games that defined the last generation for me. And for a lot of people, uh, this is one that absolutely is going to be a game changer on the PlayStation 5 with that enhanced performance because at 4K 60fps, this is going to be instantaneously one of the best looking games on Sony's newest hardware. It even almost convinces me to go out and get a PlayStation 5, and I have no desire to have one yet. Uh, so I'm probably going to hold off, but I think what this really highlights is the value of the PlayStation Plus Collection. And for those that don't know what that is, the PlayStation Plus Collection is a group of games included with a purchase of a PlayStation 5 and a PlayStation Plus subscription uh, that basically includes every big exclusive from the last generation available for you to play at your leisure. That value is huge, uh, and so with God of War included, basically, with every PlayStation 5, assuming somebody does get a PlayStation Plus subscription, which is borderline a necessity in the modern gaming space, uh, you have an enhanced version of what I consider to be one of the best games of all time, ready and waiting for you. That's impressive. So if you do want to dive in, God of War is getting the next-gen treatment today. Another game is getting its 4K 60fps next generation update today, and that is The Division 2. If you want to head back into New York City or DC, that is available right now. Uh, but it's very strange to me to see that the headline here for The Division 2's title update 12.1 patch notes is not the next generation update. It is the Resident Evil apparel event, which essentially nets you some cool looking gear. Uh, and of course, you can check out the uh, login rewards if you would like to. Uh, but they mention the next gen update with one little line. It's just a headline with no additional no additional buildup, no additional fluff. You have Sony Santa Monica over here pumping out an entire blog with passion and 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 love, and then the Division 2 is just yeeting it out into the atmosphere. Regardless, if you want to dive back in, both of these games are getting a next-gen update today. So hey, why not? You might as well if you have that next-gen experience right now. But to round out today's show, I did want to highlight a bit of a funny news story for you all. Plans for a Wall Street GameStop movie are already in the works. 
MGM has acquired the film rights to an upcoming book, The Antisocial Network, focusing on the events of the past week that have unfolded around GameStop, Wall Street, and Redditors. This evolved from a quick money grab to a revolt against huge hedge fund managers, uh, and it's still ongoing right now. While the public interest has waned a bit, uh, there is still this big drive, still this big push. You see a lot of people saying, hold the line uh, on Twitter. You see a lot of people saying, hold. You see a lot of people just building a lot of momentum around it. But the book will follow the events of a ragtag group of amateur investors, gamers, and internet trolls who, through investments, coordination, and playing the bankers at their own game, brought Wall Street to to its knees. So if you want to check that one out, you can uh, stay tuned into your various streaming services or to the new trailer feeds and wait for it to hit. I must admit though, that's going to be a very good movie. I'm looking forward to it. A lot of people compared this, of course, the book is The Anti-Social Network. The first movie that comes to mind is The Social Network, the one about Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, and that was a really good movie. I'm sorry, it is. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the Antisocial Network comes up with because what a wild week it's been. One that actually is movie worthy. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed today's show, drop me a like down below and let me know what stories caught your eye. But specifically, what do you think about Google shutting down its internal Stadia studios? Do you think the future of Stadia is still bright or do you think it's beginning to fade a bit? Will the service actually shut down? We'd love to hear your thoughts. But until tomorrow, you guys have a fantastic day. I'll talk to you soon, and peace.